Good morning, everyone. My son, Caleb, he's sixth grade. He uh, goes to school here at Kaimaki Christian, and I was bringing him up to, up to school on Friday. And we often pray during uh, our little ride up to, to school. And I asked him, oh, hey, Caleb, can you pray for me? I'm preaching on Friday night, and I'm a little nervous. He says, oh, oh, Dad, you don't have to worry. Just do like I do. He goes, says, just don't worry about it until the last minute. <laughs> then panic. <laughs> We're going to be talking about rough starts, but um, I'll tell you something that's an easy start. My friend Robert Jackson, he and I, every year we sign up for the Honolulu Marathon. And it's about the easiest start that you can imagine because all you have to do is pay what X number of dollars. It used to be $26. You can sign up for this marathon. It's so easy. You have to sign up, right? It's the, it's the end that's the difficult part. It's the end that could be a little rough. So easy start. So anyone that wants to join us, go ahead and sign up. Now is the time to sign up. You can sign up for the marathon. You have a whole year to train, and then you can be with us at our rough, rough end, right? The rough end. When I was in, I grew up in Seattle, Washington, and uh, I met this wonderful woman, Bev. And this is in the 1990s. And I met her, but I didn't know what her phone number was. And so I was trying to figure out, okay, I got asking all these people if they knew her phone number, and nobody would give it to me. Uh, they were trying to protect her. <laughs> Finally, I looked my one of my best friends, Dexter, he says, oh, yeah, I got her number. I'll give it to you. So I got her phone number, and so I decided, okay, I'm going to call her up and see if she can go to volleyball. Yeah, we used to play volleyball. This is up in Seattle, Washington. So I get her phone number, and I got my phone, and I put the number in. Da, 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 da. Then I hang up. <laughs> Whew, so nervous. Put the number in again. Hang up one more time, right? Okay, that's just practice. <laughs> Finally, I hang up. I, I put the number in, and I, 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 I said, okay, I'm going to go really go for it this time. So I, I go for it, and finally she answers, and I go, hi, Bev, this is Steve Yoshioka. And you know what she said? <laughs> she says, Who? No, she didn't say it like that. She just said, who? And then she goes, oh, no, 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 yeah, I remember you. And then we had this wonderful talk. It was, it was great. But that was, that was a rough start, I tell you. It was rough to make the phone call, and it was, rough, it was a rough start. But uh, praise the Lord that um, she stayed on the line, and we talked, and we had just had, and uh, got married in 1995. Uh, and she's been my best friend ever since. Uh, we just, uh, just love her so much. So we're going to be talking about rough starts. Maybe you've had a rough start. Uh, maybe it's a, a, a new job that, that you just knew that you were supposed to do, but somehow it's not going as well. Or maybe it's your first year of marriage, and it seems a little more bumpy than it's supposed to be. Uh, we think about Ron, uh, Pastor Ron, who's going through chemotherapy, and that's, you know, that's obviously a rough start. And so we all have rough starts but you know what the Bible tells us this, is that even in a rough start, when we put our faith in God, that there is good news. 
when we put our trust in Jesus, there is good news. And so open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. You could open up your Bible, which is, has pages, or you can look at this piece of paper that came in the bulletin. That's all right there. You can have your smartphone. That's great. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, Luke chapter 4. And this is Jesus' beginning of his ministry. He was baptized. He went through his temptations. And now he's uh, ready to go out and start preaching. And he starts to preach around the countryside, goes to synagogues. He starts to teach in synagogues. People are getting healed. People are following him. They're, they're finding, wow, who is this Jesus? And they see what he's doing, and they say, wow, I want to know him. And so Jesus decides to go up to his hometown of Nazareth. And I imagine he was excited to go to his hometown. Uh, just like going home, and it's a place you're familiar with. Uh, you, know the, you probably know the people, and you, that's where your family's from, and that's where you, you, you just you feel comfortable. And so he goes up there, and he goes to the synagogue, and uh, he's one of the people that's going to read. And he reads from the, the, uh, uh, the, the, book, of, the book of Isaiah. And he says this. Let's read from verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. And then he reads these uh, these verses that are from Isaiah 61. And so I, what I wanted to do is read it together, but I want everyone to stand up. So just kind of like Jesus was in the synagogue, he stood up. So let's stand up, and we're going to read these two verses together. It says, uh, ready, set, go. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Amen. Go ahead and sit down. So he reads those words, and then he goes on in verse 20, if you follow along. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in, his hear in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? So here Jesus... The first thing he does is he reads from this, this, the, uh, the prophet of Isaiah, and he reads those words, and he's basically saying that he, I, that he is the Messiah, that he is the anointed one, that he is the Christ, that he's the one that these Jews have been waiting for for centuries, that he was going to come to save them. And so... Uh, let's just read some, some of those. Let's get familiar with some of these phrases that are in there. So the Spirit of the Lord is on me. So Jesus, many times through this book of Luke, it says that the, the Spirit was on him, full of the power of the Spirit. And then he says this, He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
So the poor are those who are destitute, those who are poor, without money. Uh, oftentimes it was the beggar alongside the, the road that was begging for money, for alms, or could have been uh, uh, blind people or, or, or whatever, wh whoever they were. And so it's clear that we, they were to reach out to those people, to help those people out. But in our society, that's true. That's probably that's the homeless people. That's people that are struggling financially. But you know what? There's another kind of poor, too. There's people that are just poor in spirit. Poor uh, because they don't have the Lord. That they're lacking the Lord. They're lacking the life of the Lord. And that appear, applies to all of us. We could all be poor in spirit. You know, this is a church that, that is very financially successful, very financially generous. But even amidst us, there are people that are poor in spirit and need to hear the good news. And then there is, uh, he came to proclaim the freedom for the prisoners. And that word prisoners is uh, the word for uh, people that are in prison, that are in jail, that are incarcerated. And uh, oftentimes uh, you see people like in the, the Apostle Paul, he went... He was in jail, and he would preach to those people that were in jail, people that were, uh, because this was, they were under Roman rule as well. And so uh, those, there were prisoners that needed to hear the good news, and they were going to be set free. But there's another kind of prisoner, and those are people, many, maybe they're us, that we're in the prison of addiction, the prison of Addiction to drugs or addiction to alcohol or uh, sexually addicted or uh, people who are just under the, the prison of feeling shame. In our, in our culture, shame is a big part of how we operate. And oftentimes it's the shame that we put on people and they feel like, oh, I'm under this pressure of shame. And that's a prison. I can never measure up. I can never do the right thing. I can never be the good son or the good daughter. But you know what? God came that we would be released from, those, from that prison. And we have people in our church that have been set free from drugs and free from alcohol and free from the shame of things. Because that's why God came. And that we, we can be those people that help set people free. And then the recovery of sight for the blind. Uh, many stories in the Bible where the blind received their sight. Now, back then, they didn't have uh, great ophthalmologists. Uh, we have uh, great, great eye surgeons that, that do great work. And when they do that kind of work uh, and people can see, they're receiving sight. And I think that that's totally legit. I mean, that, that's, the Lord does that. When I get up in the morning, I put on glasses because I cannot see. But they didn't have glasses back then, right? And so uh, I think that's a part of it. When we reach out to and, and do God's work, to heal people, to help them to see. And then there's the people that are also spiritually blind, who just, 
who just don't even see what God is doing. And, and those are the kinds of people that we want to share the good news with because we want people to be, be able to see the truth that he loves people, that he's come to forgive them of their sin and to die for them. And then there's the oppressed, uh, the people who, uh, they were under Roman rule. And there's many uh, cases of oppression in our world today. Uh, many governments who are oppressing their people, many Christians who are under oppression. And, and we need to be able to be that, those kinds of people too. What are we doing to help free the oppressed, people that are discriminated against? So I think that the, how do we, what do we take away from this? That Jesus knew what his mission was and that his mission was to bring good news. Jesus' mission was to bring good news. And that's our mission too. And so as we all stood up to read these words, um, I think it, we are the body of Christ. We are the people who are filled with the Holy Spirit because we've accepted Jesus. And Jesus is the head. Jesus is our head, but we are the body. And so when we read those words together, we become the people who are going to set people free, who are going to release people from prison, who are going to give sight to the blind. And I think as we all put our faith together, as we all have faith, that when we put our faith in God, that good, there is good news. When I was, uh, in, I was a pastor in Portland, Oregon, and there were three of us on staff there, our senior pastor, Gary Tribbett, and um, our another associate pastor, Alessa Rocky, who is actually local from here. He's he actually lives here now. He's from here, and then he came back. And uh, at the beginning of every year, we would do this thing called the 40 days of prayer. And the challenge for this year was that everybody would pray for 30 minutes a day. So spend a concerted 30 minutes a day in prayer. And so we were doing that, and I was in my office, and uh, Pastor Gary was, was on my couch, and then Pastor Les was in the next office, and we're just talking, I was just talking a story, and then Les comes in, and uh, at that time, our worship leader, Mary, who's from Idaho, was, um, uh, her dad was terminally ill, so was in the hospital, he uh, didn't, they didn't think he was going to last real long, he did not know the Lord, and he was not a believer, and so Pastor Les comes into the office and says, hey, man, I've been praying. I just feel like we should go up to Idaho and, and share with Mary's dad about the Lord, about the gospel. And so we all looked at each other, and we're just, you know, okay, hey, he's praying. So, and it was too late. We couldn't leave at that time. Because that's a six-hour drive to go up to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho from Portland, Oregon. So we arranged the next day, I think it was actually the day after that, Tuesday morning, we all got into Pastor Gary's gold uh, Dodge Caravan, and I'm the driver because I'm, uh, I can drive in cold weather. And so we drive, and we're, me, Pastor Les, and Pastor Gary are driving along. Six hours we're driving up to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, praying, we're singing songs, we're talking story, and it was, you know, just fantastic time. And so we get up to... Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, we pull into the hospital, go up to 
at Mary's dad's hospital room. Mary was up there. And we had already decided that Gary, uh, Pastor Gary, he was going to go talk to Emil because he knew him. And Les and I were going to just uh, pray. So we go up there and we're, we're praying and Les talks to Emil and he says, hey, you know, how are you doing? He talks to her a little bit. And then he goes, you know, um, you know about who God is? He says, yeah, you know what? God, God really loves you. And he really, really wants you to uh, come to know him. And he, if you accept Jesus by faith, uh, he will forgive you of all your, your sins and that you will have eternal life. And so Gary says, oh, and he says, hey, do you want to accept Jesus today? And Emil, you know, in his hospital bed, and he says, yes, I do. And so, all right, we're all like, we're all like, yeah, praise the Lord. You know, and then we pray for him. We all get around in a circle and pray for him. And, uh, and then we leave. And we weren't there for 45 minutes. So we drive six hours up to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. We're there for 45 minutes. We get back in the car, drive six more hours to go back to Portland, Oregon. What, was that worth it? Absolutely it was worth it. And it's an example to me of when, uh, when we put our faith in God, that there is good news. So in this case, we were praying, and, and, and by, uh, by prayer, we got this direction from the Holy Spirit, and we went, we acted. And I think one thing I want to note about this is that it was three of us. It wasn't just one guy that just did everything and he, you know, he was super, super evangelist man, whatever. It was three of us. And we, it all took us to decide to act and we went. And we're going to see Emil in heaven. He passed away shortly after. That was years ago. But we're going to see him in heaven. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah, awesome. So that's, I think that's, uh, that's the good news. But you know what? In our story, uh, it's really not good news. It's really the opposite of, of the good news. He, Jesus, here Jesus gives the good news, and then something happens. So let's read from verse uh, 23. It says, Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, Do hear in your hometown that, we, that what we have heard that you did in Capernaum, Truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there are, were many widows in, Israel's, in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built and in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. So he went from Jesus sharing the good news to the people throwing him off the cliff. What, what's that all about? We, there's, we have some photos that Pastor Ron showed me. This is modern-day uh, Nazareth. You went, right? Yeah, so modern-day Nazareth. Uh, do you know what the, the population of Nazareth is? 
Mostly Muslim, yeah. Okay, so that, there's that. And then there's our, uh, our people, uh, David Van Wegenen sharing, telling the people not to throw anybody off the cliff. <laughs> I think he did a good job. This is apparently the cliff. So uh, you can see the possibility of death when, if somebody got thrown off that. So here we are. Uh, Jesus gets up to share the good news. And then the people turn around and they want to throw him off the cliff. What? Why? Why does that happen? What happened? So there's a clue in Mark chapter 6, 4 through 6. Let's read that. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So it was their lack of faith that thwarted the good news. That is our, our, our second point, that our, our lack of faith can thwart the good news. That when we don't have faith, when we don't trust the Lord, that the opposite of good news could happen. And I was trying to think of some, some ways that that applies to us. And um, you see that these people did not believe that Jesus was who he said he was. And maybe it was because he was, they were just too familiar with him. They thought, oh, that's the carpenter's son. How could he be the Messiah? How could he be the one that's going to do all of this stuff? And so they did not believe that he, Jesus was who he said he was. And I think familiarity could be a dangerous thing that oftentimes in churches like, like our church, that we get used to the way things are. And, and then we start trusting in the way things are versus trusting in what Jesus could do and what Jesus has called us to do. I believe that uh, here at KCC that we know that there's going to be transitions as as leadership transitions, as things happen in our church. And it's going to mean that people are going to have to step up. Step up. People are going to have to have faith. And we're calling on all of you to have the kind of faith that Jesus wants. Because when we all have faith together, that there is good news, that we're going to continue to be able to share the good news with our, our community, with our church, with our neighbors, with our city, and with the world. So just a couple things I want to uh, just point out about Jesus. Some questions, uh, some, some things about Jesus that, that we learn about Jesus and the good news. One is that Jesus knew his purpose. He knew his mission. He knew his mission was to preach the good news. And he knew the mission and part of that good news was that he was going to die on a cross because the people need, we, we all needed to be saved from our sin. So, so he knew his purpose. And so even this rough start didn't thwart him from, from continuing in his mission to do what he was called to do. And I think that's an important point for us is that what is God calling you to do? What is your mission? For Bev and I, when we came back to Hawaii, uh, one of our missions was we, we really just wanted to share the love of God with, 
my father-in-law, who, it's, it was his birthday yesterday. He's turned 94, so let's give him all a hand. So he's, he's such a great, uh, Dad, you're just a great example for us. Thank you for uh, caring for us so much. So we wanted to come back, and we wanted to spend time with, with uh, Bev's parents. And, um, and so we, that's what we knew we had to do. So it was easy to think about, okay, there's this time commitment. Okay, we're not going to do that. This time commitment, we're not going to do this. It was just very easy to say, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to stick to it. That's our mission. And I think you, can, you all, God is calling you to do something too. What's your mission? The other thing I, that is important is that Jesus constantly is quoting from the Word of God. And that's an important thing because that's the best, one of the best ways to grow is to learn from the Word and to study it and to let it sink into our hearts so that we would know who God is through His Word. And so it does take time. It takes time to, be, to open up your Bible. It takes time to read it. It takes time to be consistent in learning about the Word and to learning from the Word. And then it takes faith to act upon what God is telling you through His Word. So those are a couple of things. A couple of things that I wanted to suggest are some questions that we need to ask ourselves. Now, those people in the synagogue, they seem to not have faith. And are we like that? Those is, is that, are we like those people? Or are we the other kind of people that have faith that are all about good news? So I want you to think about what is your faith like? Is it deep and rooted? Do you experience good news? Is Jesus your main thing or a side thing? Is your faith too comfortable? And what can you do to get out of your comfort zone? I just encourage you to, take, to ask yourself some hard questions about your faith. And what is it that you want to do? What is it that you want to see God do in your life? I'm going to uh, conclude by telling a story. We were in Oregon, Portland, Oregon, and Bev is from here. And... Um, and I wanna, we, we really wanted, we, we felt God calling us to come back to Hawaii because we wanted to share the love of God with, with her family. And uh, particularly uh, my father-in-law and, and her mom. And so uh, we decided that we were going to come back. And what it meant for us is that I, had to, I got a new job. I was an engineer before and I was pastor and then... I went back into engineering, uh, engineering uh, as a in construction, so it was different, right? So I'm on the construction site, and I'm I'm not from Hawaii, so I'm what they call a katunk. So, and I learned on Friday that that means that it's the people that walk under uh, coconut trees, and when it falls on their head because they don't know any better, it goes katunk. <laughs> That was one of, the, one of the, like, five versions that people told me on Friday. It was really funny. Um, but anyway, so, so here I am. I, I, I start on this construction site, and these construction workers come up to me and start talking to me. And I'm like, 
what in the world are you saying to me? Because their <laughs> pigeon was so thick. You know, construction workers, I, I don't want to d- discriminate. I love construction workers. But, but it took me a long time to figure out what they were saying. Like, th- that, the phrase, the pigeon phrase, ladat, you guys know what that means? Okay, I, I didn't know what that meant. So <laughs> I'm like, what are you saying to me? <laughs> so so I, I don't know. It was, it was really funny. It was pretty humorous, actually. So here I am. I'm, I'm trying to... Um, I, anyway, it was, a rough, it was a rough time. New job, uh, waking up early instead of staying up late, uh, n- new home, new household, new climate. You know, it was... It, 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 at times, it was rough. And, uh, but... But you know, along the way, uh, God gave me this vision, and we were worshiping over at New Hope, and I was in service, and I saw this picture of my mother and father-in-law. They were at our dining room table, and I was, and I was baptizing them. I don't know if I ever told you this, Dad. I, I was baptizing them at the dinner, dining room table. That was just a picture. I said, like, oh, whoa, and then it was gone. And I just always took that as like, okay, God is going to, God is, I'm going to baptize them, you know. And so we go along and we're, you know, trying to share, okay, they, we hadn't gotten any response. Except her mom did accept the Lord, uh, Bev shared with him. And so now her mom is uh, in the hospital and she's going to pass away. She had a stroke and she's going to pass away. And so we decide that, hey, you know, I don't, this vision that I had isn't going to come true. But we're gonna, we can still baptize her. By, and so we, we set up a baptismal uh, service. We're going to do it just by sprinkling. We didn't have any bathtubs that we could do. So um, we're in this, in this hospital room. All the family is around. And we're having this little service. And Bev starts talking to her dad about the Lord. And it was just so amazing. It's like... He's talking to dad about the Lord, and dad wants to accept Christ. And uh, so in that, in that hospital room, I got to baptize my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, uh, and actually my sister-in-law too. And all because we decided to step out in faith and follow God's direction we didn't know how it was all going to work out. We thought it wasn't going to work out. But the people that were there, Bev, my friend Les Araki that was in the hospital room, we all shared the gospel together, and there was good news. And it was an amazing time. And I believe that this church, that can happen too. And so I encourage you, when you to step out in faith, but don't try to do it alone. Just Get your buddies along with you, your friends, and see what God is doing. Because I don't think God ever uh, meant for us to go solo. And so God is going to do some great things because you guys are faithful people. And God is going to give good news, bring good news to this community. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that your word is true and that we can trust it. And we thank you for the good news that you came to us to set us free from the bondage of sin.
by dying on the cross. And you paid the penalty for, of our sins so that we could live, for, live free without guilt and free to love others in the name of Jesus. Help us to be the vessels of good news that the world would know that you love them. Amen.